know we're recording. We're live. We live. <laughs> we live in the hood. You know what I'm saying? You're supposed to warn me before I have to get all like official. Yeah. <clears throat> all right, we're recording, kid. Oh snap! Welcome back to the Tea at High podcast. Today I am joined by my beautiful wife, Liberty. Mm-hmm. She's going to be my special guest co-host today. Yeah, whenever no one else will answer the call, at least you have a wife to fall back on. Yeah. Um, so some of you might be thinking, man, like, Ryan, are you just having your wife as your co-host? Because, like, <laughs> she's your wife and she just wants to be a part of this. And no, that would not be the case. That would not be the case. <laughs> this is one of the least favorite things that my wife wants to do, probably. No, I don't mind doing this, but, um, like, you know, I'm quite introverted. And so, I mean, but re- recording a podcast isn't, that's fine for an introvert, but um, I'm happy to do it because I enjoy talking golf with you. But, like, yeah, this is your and Zach's podcast, and so... I'm happy to fill in because you need a sub, but I don't want it to be my regular gig. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, and for anybody that's wondering, uh, last week I was out of town. I was uh, at a a snowboarding bachelor party. It was almost like a week-long bachelor party Mm -hmm. in Colorado. Um, Zach is out of town this weekend, so he was unable to do this. But I'm happy to say that Liberty was willing to step in, so that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, Before we get into it, Mm -hmm. give everybody a little bit of insight. What is your level of excitement or interest in Mm -hmm. golf and where did it all stem from like go back to the beginning um so I'm a huge golf fan I definitely do not have the golf like knowledge that you and Zach have I don't play golf um but I'm a big golf fan I have been since I was a little girl I think I mean I like all sports in general for the most part there are very few sports that I don't enjoy watching um I grew up as a tomboy like like to watch sports with my dad and Um, so I think I've always just had a great interest in sports in general. Um, and then when I was young, we would go visit, um, my grandfather and my step grandmother in Seattle every summer. And my step grandmother, June loved golf, loved playing golf, loved watching golf. My grandpa played it too. He was kind of a bigger tennis player. Um, but in their house on the weekends, well, actually, you know, Thursday through Sunday, and we stayed with them an entire week, golf was on, and you watched golf. Nice. Um, and that was like the Fred Couples era, so she was a huge Fred Couples fan. Actually, she may have been a bigger Greg, Greg Norman fan, but I was a huge Fred Couples fan. <laughs> um, and we're talking, you know, like 10, 12-year-old Liberty at this point. So just grew up watching it and kind of appreciating the game. Um, and then never really stopped watching it or being interested in it. You know, I've kind of ebbed and flowed along with everybody else as far as how close of attention I pay to it. But, um, our dog, everyone makes a special appearance. (laughs) She's keeping us safe from the people walking in the neighborhood. Um, so yeah, just growing up watching golf and then, um, you know, doing my internship and residency, I didn't have as much time to watch golf, but I did enjoy like napping on Sunday afternoons, listening to golf, as silly as that sounds. Um, And then as I've gotten older, I've just continued to kind of like watch the sport and enjoy kind of the direction that it's going with some younger, more fit and athletic, talented people. Um, And then through social media, you know, you get to follow all these people a little bit more closely and kind of know their stories. So, yeah, I have zero real golf IQ, like couldn't play the game if my life depended on it. Don't know know how to talk shop as far as that goes, but I'm just like a 
casual fan of the sport, probably. I think um, when we were first dating and, like, when we first started living together before Mm -hmm. we got married and built a house, I don't remember you ever really watching golf very much on the weekends. Mm -hmm. But once we, like, built this house and we moved in, um, after we got married, I remember, like, it just kind of became the thing. Like, Saturdays and Sundays, we would watch golf. And if we, you know, during the football season, it's... Mm-hmm. College, like college football, yep. especially if Georgia's playing, mm-hmm. go dogs, go dogs. Um, and then, um, you know, we'd like watch watch golf. Um, I love it. I, you know me, man. Like I'm such a golf nerd. I mm-hmm. I could watch every swing of every round Thursday through oh, Sunday. You sure would. Like sometimes <laughs> at night, you put on like the like West European. 57th open and I'm like what the fuck are we watching right now like what is happening this is like an HD nothing and I know who none of these people are and they don't even have caddies why are we watching this yeah especially on like a Sunday morning because you know PGA Tour coverage doesn't start usually until the middle of the Mm -hmm. day like 12 or 1 o'clock so you know if I wake up early and it's 6 or 7 a.m. I'll turn the golf channel on and I'll watch the European tour yeah well, thanks again for coming on. I yeah. definitely appreciate it. Happy to. I, I think it'll here. be fun. So it's easy to do. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, you and I both have opinions about things. And even though we're married, they're often not the same opinion. So there's yeah. that. Today's episode, I thought we could talk about some some pretty fun stuff. All right. Let's jump into the episode. Let's do it. First things first. I thought it'd be kind of fun to talk about records that I will never be broken on the PGA Tour. Okay. So this isn't just... Tiger Woods related because like I mean he does own most of the records on the PGA Tour yeah but not all of them right um so here's a list of the records I think I picked the top six mm-hmm. I mean you could go over like a bunch of different things but the top six records that I think are never going to be broken um number one Tiger Woods Holds the record for the most consecutive cuts made on tour, and he made 142 consecutive cuts. Yeah. Do you know who the second closest person is? Um, I don't. I can I can look it up. I mean, of some of all the rest of these, I'm not saying I think this one will be broken, but it's probably one of the more likely ones that could be broken by somebody just being consistent. Like, you don't have to be great. You just have to be consistent. Which I think everything these days, you know, with the level of play, and this has been talked to death, so I don't need to say it, but like the level of play is so much higher that obviously like winning or top 10 and all that stuff is going to be harder. But just making a cut, like, I don't know, you could find someone super consistent and maybe they could, but I think they would also have to want to. You know what I mean? I think like the way the game is played now, sometimes guys are, and not that Tiger didn't do it too, but using tournaments as more of like a practice or a tune-up, and if everything's not right, then they're just like, fuck it, whatever, you know? Yeah. So. I think, so here's my thing. You asked a second ago what what the like rankings were on that. So the top mm-hmm. four people in PGA history, now this dates all the way back to 1941. Mm-hmm. Tiger Woods is number one. He's got 142 cuts made. Byron Nelson, arguably one of the greatest golfers to ever play the game, only did it 113 consecutive times. Mm. He's the next closest. Yeah. And then Jack <laughs> Nicholas, arguably one of the, like, literally it's mm-hmm. between Jack and Tiger on who's the greatest of all time. 
Only did it 105 times in his entire career. Yeah, so never mind. And then I mean, Hale Irwin did it 86 times. But you got to figure between yeah. Byron Nelson and Jack Nicholas, like the, the depth of field of talent was yeah. so low back then, and they still only could do it 103, 113 times. Yeah, and if you think about like some of the top players in the world that are not making cuts um, consistently in this day and age, yeah, you're right. That one's Yeah, I mean, like, not... perfect example is the Players' Championship that's well, happening. Oh, yeah. Right now. But I mean, Brooks Kepka. Yeah. Missed the cut because he ended up being yeah. nine over par after two rounds. Yeah. I mean, and it's a perfect example, I guess. I mean, this tournament's an anomaly, right? Like, it's not like they're playing in course conditions like this every week. True. But the tour wants more of this, so they are going to start seeing conditions like this. So, yeah, you're probably right. Yeah. And I think one of the things that we got to take into consideration, too, is the amount of time that the golfers have taken away from them because of sponsorship obligations, Mm -hmm. media obligations, um, charitable work obligations. Like these are some things that those guys back in the day didn't have to worry about adding into their schedule. Yeah. And they also didn't have, um, the press following them everywhere and like watching their every move and, you know, all the social media stuff. That's, um, it's a pro and a con, right? Like as fans, we like it. Um, for them, I'm sure that it takes time, it detracts, and depending on your personality type, may not actually be something that actually helps your mental game. So, yeah, I mean, I, you're right. That one's probably not going to fall. Do you want to give them the second one? Um, this is this is never going to fall. <laughs> but the number two is Tiger, 683 weeks at world number one. So basically 13 straight years. That's, ne- that's never going to happen. No. I mean, like, DJ was for a while, what, like a year and a half ago? DJ, I Rom think, Rom has the... been up there for a while. Um, but no, the like, the talent level is too deep. Yeah. And these guys aren't playing every tournament. And if they aren't playing every tournament and somebody else wins it, then that knocks them out. Like, it's just not, yeah. Yeah, and I'm not sure what they're doing with the world with the world golf rankings these days, but mm-hmm. I feel like it's completely different than it used to be as well. And yeah. so that kind of plays a factor. Yeah. But, you know... Dustin Johnson, most recently, to your point, mm-hmm. held it the longest. But the most that he ever went was 139 weeks. Yeah. Which is a little less than two years, or a yeah. little less than three years Yeah, straight. Tiger which is Woods, impressive in this day and age. It's impressive in this day and I'm a 100%. DJ fan, so we'll go ahead and put that out there. Like, anything yeah. you can say nice about DJ, I'm going to be about it. But, yeah. Um, yeah, that's impressive. But, no, we're not going to see that. We're just not. You can't have... I mean, on tour these days, one of 30 guys could win yeah. every week. And so the way the rankings are working and with the talent being that deep, we're just not going to see that. Yeah, I agree. I mean, that is just such an astronomical number. I, it's hard for me to even understand how that's possible. And then if you put that into perspective with other sports leagues out there, yeah, I mean, look at NCAA football. I was about to say Alabama football. <laughs> Alabama <laughs> I mean, football consistently ranks number one in the nation. Yeah. But they're not number one in the nation for 13 straight years. No, they're not. I, you mean, know what I mean, it was the a New different, England Patriots. It was a different time, though. The New England Patriots are arguably one of the, they're the greatest football organization in the history of the NFL, but they were never the number one ranked yeah. team 13 fucking years in a row. I mean, it was, it was the perfect combination of being a different time, the talent not as deep. And having this superhuman athlete come onto the scene. Yeah. So. And side note, just to kind of add on to like why, why he was able to make a cut 140 some mm-hmm. odd, like what, 142 consecutive yeah. events. And then he was number one, 683 weeks. I saw a stat last week 
that Tiger Woods, when he was in his prime, had a 97% yeah. win percentage when he went into the final day with the lead at a golf tournament. If yeah. he was tied for the lead or in the solo lead, his win percentage was 97%. Well, you just didn't question it. Like, you almost... Like, you could skip watching that day if you only cared about who was going to win. Now, if you wanted to see some fireworks and see him hit some great shots and you wanted to see some guys, like, get mad and play for a second, like, that's cool. But um, (laughs) it was almost a foregone conclusion in that era. Like, I mean, I remember thinking that. Like, I was in, I think, undergrad. And I lived in Jacksonville at the time, so obviously big golf town. I think that's another reason why I'm a golf fan is that I happened to live in a place that had a pretty big golf culture and lots of golf courses and lots of golfers call Jacksonville home. And so you kind of get caught up in listening to that. But yeah, I mean, if you had something better to do on a Sunday and Tiger was in the lead, then by all means, go do it. Yeah. Like you're not tuning in to watch it necessarily. Yeah. And it goes back to what Zach was saying on our first episode. I mean, he made the comment a couple of weeks ago that it was almost <laughs> like you said, it was a almost a guarantee that Tiger yeah. was going to win. Every week. If it made more news if he didn't. Yeah. Yeah, for real. Yeah. Um, all right. So here's uh, here's number three mm-hmm. on the uh, all-time records on the PGA Tour that will probably never be broken. Now, this one's tricky. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to list I'm gonna list it, but then I'm also going to put like a little asterisk on it. So currently, Tiger Woods and Sam Snead hold the record for most career wins on the PGA Tour. Mm-hmm. And they both have 82 career wins. I think, here's my asterisk. That's, the record's 82, mm-hmm. but Tiger shares it. So he's not like right. by himself. Right, right. I feel like Tiger's going to win at least one more PGA Tour event before he's done playing the game of golf. And so I feel like mm-hmm. that number is going to be 83 career wins held by Tiger on his own yeah. or more. But either way you look at it, man, like, like we talked about a few minutes ago mm-hmm. with the amount of talent that's in the PGA tour right now. And the fact that anybody could win any week on the PGA tour at any yeah. golf tournament, there's no effing way. Like who's going to, who's going to well, get I don't 82 know, like, wins? Who's the next closest. That's what I was going to ask because yes, I agree. I see Tiger winning one more. Um, you know, it's going to be, well, I was going to say it's going to be some like shitty tournament that nobody shows up, but that may not be the case. Like he may win another, he may win another major. Obviously he wants to, um, it's going to be hard, but he's tiger still. All right. So here's the, the list of career, career wins. Tiger and Sam Snead are tied for first at 82. Uh, Jack Nicholas is number three on that list. I'm going to throw this out there. I don't think he's winning another one. He's definitely not winning anymore. <laughs> okay. He doesn't play anymore. Yeah. But take a guess at how many career wins Jack Nicholas has. 70. 73. Yeah, that was close. Yeah, so Jack Nicholas is the next closest. He's got 73 uh, tour victories. Ben Hogan had 64. Mm-hmm. Arnold Palmer had 62. And Phil Mickelson, even though he's in the controversy right now, he is the closest out of all active players, and he has 45 career wins. Yeah, he's never he's never going to get there. Yeah. So you're right. Like, if Tiger doesn't do it, then probably no one else is. Yeah. Uh, what's the next one we got? So uh, Jack with 18 majors. I mean, Tiger's right there. Tiger's close. He has 15 majors. Yeah. I just don't know. Like... I think it's hard. I mean, I wouldn't have thought that Phil would have won another major, though. You know what I mean? Yeah. So. I think, 
you can never count Tiger Woods out. Yeah. Right? But, but to get like three to tie and four to... Right. Yeah, that's probably not happening. He's probably more likely to get um, outright career wins than he is the major. Yeah. yeah, but here's the tricky part though, right? Now that he's coming back from his car crash, he's mm-hmm. basically all but admitted that he's playing the minimal amount of tour of it. Like he's going to play the minimal amount of tournaments throughout yeah. the year. He's absolutely going to commit to every major that he could possibly play. The only thing that Tiger Woods cares about in his career, in my opinion, at this point is passing Jack Nicklaus for career major I wins. I mean, probably, but then like you have a guy like Brooks Kepka who that's all he wants to do is win majors. And yeah. you have a guy like Justin Thomas who, I mean, he's money. You know what I mean? There's just like, again, yeah. 20 guys who can beat Tiger easily. Yeah. yeah. I, I think, I think Jack's going to hold Tiff. I think the only person that's ever going to come close, I mean, the only person that even is close to Jack right now is Tiger. In yeah. That and no one else will get that close. Yeah. And, and I think if, if Tiger doesn't catch or pass Jack, I think Tiger finishes career with at least one more major. I think Tiger's going to finish at least 16 major wins. Huh. So, I mean, that'd be awesome for him. I'd love to see it. Like you said, never count him out. Yeah. But you know, you just take everything that he's up against, like age, all the injuries, his wreck, and the level of play that we have right now. And, um, yeah, it just really puts him behind the eight ball. I did make a bold prediction with Zach a couple weeks ago, a couple episodes ago, where I think Tiger Woods is going to win the Open Championship at St. Andrews this year. Um, I mean, that would be a good course for him. Like, if he's going to do it somewhere like that. I think – I think uh, – St. Andrews is a great course for him, but I, honestly, I think the Masters is his best chance at winning more majors. Maybe. Um, U.S. Opens, I think at this point, they're just going to be too difficult Yeah. Um, with all the injuries that he's had to suffer from. Maybe a PGA, like he mm. could win a PGA probably, but he already has, uh, f- I think he has five Masters wins now at this point. Um, but he just knows how to work his way around that course and how to manage around that course so well and I think 2019 was such a great example of how Tiger was able to yeah. work his way around Augusta and pull that and pull specifically that target out. for that. I mean, like mentally, you're not going to find anybody tougher or who's been there and done that more. So, yeah. you know, all things being equal, yeah, you can't count that out. And here's an interesting fact about that too, because Tiger's chasing Jack for major wins, mm-hmm. right? I think Jack holds the record for the most Masters wins, and Jack has six wins at least at the Masters. I'm going to double-check real quick. Let's see. Yep. Jack has won the Masters six times, and Tiger's won it five. So, I mean, that'd be... Yeah, Yeah, you're right. I mean, that is probably more realistic for him to tire tie that than it is for him to get the outright major victory title. Yeah. And there's a lot of talk about like, nobody knows when Tiger Woods is going to make an appearance this year or yeah. if he's going to make another appearance this uh, year. I thought he said he was. Yeah. He, he committed that he's going to play. It's just, that we don't know exactly when he's going to come yeah. out. I will absolutely not be surprised if he plays in the masters this year. I think that that's the tournament that he's gauging his entire comeback on. And I think after that accident last year, making it to the Masters this year, I think that's his priority. Because if he can make it to the Masters this year, then that mm-hmm. gives him an opportunity to play in four majors this year, which gives him more opportunities to catch Jack in yeah. that record. 
So we'll see. It'll be interesting to see what happens next month. Yeah, and he's also a player who really doesn't have anything to lose, right? And people like that are dangerous. Yeah. Like, he has nothing to prove. He has nothing to lose. Like, he's been there and done that. He has, you know, insane records, will always be considered the greatest golfer in the world. So really, like, I would be scared of playing against a Tiger that has nothing to lose but wants to prove something to himself because that is a dangerous person. Yeah, I agree. That's a really good point. Um, Side note, though, kind of talking about winning majors, uh, McElroy only needs the Masters to complete his career Grand Slam. Well, McElroy needs to start playing better. I love him. I love Rory. Everybody loves Rory. How can you not? He seems like a genuinely good dude. Um, And I think, like, from what I hear and what I read and take that for what it's worth, like, he seems to be surrounding himself with people to kind of help him get back there. But, man, he's got to find his game. Like, I don't – he's not there. He's not there right now. And he's not even close to being there right now. Yeah, and I, I can't remember what year it was. Maybe it was like uh, 2015 or something like that. That one year where Tiger or uh, Rory was in contention, like he was basically dominating everybody in the yeah. Masters. And then he gets to the tenth hole and he snap hooks his tee shot mm-hmm. into the woods, and then from there on out, like it, his yeah. whole round, his whole tournament just completely imploded. Oh. And I just think that he has too many negative memories from yeah. that tournament, and like every year. I think every single year, the pressure on Rory just continues to build yeah, for sure. and build and build and build mm-hmm. because what golfer on the PGA Tour in their right mind does not want to have the career Grand Slam as an accolade? Yeah. And right? I mean, that's a monkey on your back. But I mean, I would say like some people respond better to that pressure than others. And Rory's just got to find a way to respond to it. Um, in a positive way and not a negative way. I know he's working with like a sports psychologist, which I'm sure most of those guys do. They'd be crazy not to. But um, I mean, I hope he gets it back. I hope he finds it like raw talent. He's got it. He's a good dude. He's strong. Like he's putting in the work. You just really would like to see him be able to turn his game around. Yeah. Yeah. So Jack Nicholas, uh, 18 major wins. That's going to be a tough one. Um, so here's another one. This is like one of those crazy stats that you don't really hear of very often, uh, and I don't know why, honestly. But another record, number five on our list, Byron Nelson won 18 tour events in a single season during his career. Yeah, I mean, that's unfathomable. But what I was thinking about is like my knee-jerk reaction and probably the correct reaction is to be like, that's never going to be broken, never happened, level of play too high. But, like, if you think about the time that, like, Jack and Arnie and, like, Sam Sneed, you know, those guys were lights out better than everyone else, right? And when Tiger came along, he was lights out better than everyone else. Who's to say that we won't see that, like, once-in-a-lifetime superstar 10, 15, 20, 50 years from now that even though the level of play has escalated isn't, hands down better than everyone else i don't disagree with you um but there are 48 tour events every single year on season yeah so every single year there's 48 events that are being played Mm -hmm. for somebody to win 18 and tie the record that means they have to win 38% of all the events the entire year i know and if they were going to beat it which means they got to win 19 mm-hmm. events. 
That means they have to win 40% yeah. of every single I mean, Four out of every 10 tournaments, they got to be winning. Statistically, very unlikely. But part of me likes, like, as a sports fan, you want to be like, never say never, right? Like, yeah. I mean, look at the Tom Brady's of the world. Like, look at the Steph Curry's of the world. Like, you know, there are just, there are genetic outliers, even at the best of the best. And they come along once every couple of generations. So who's to say that we won't see another one? Yeah, and, and I agree with your statement on, like, never say never. But I think you and I and Zach and I have talked about this multiple times at this point. There are so many talented players on tour, and every single year there are more and more talented players on tour. I just think that statistically the odds are so low that it's never going to get broken. Yeah, I, I agree with you, and I'm literally only playing devil's advocate, but, like, looking at a sport that I'm really into running, right? I mean, how many hundreds of thousands of people in the world run marathons, right? Yeah, it's less than 10% of everybody on the planet. Yeah, and so now if you look at oh, um, Kipchoge, like, dude is fucking lights out. Nobody can beat him. Nobody can beat Kipchoge. He, yeah. like, did the whole breaking two with Nike, which whether you, you know, believe the method that they used to do that or not, the dude ran a sub-two-hour marathon. And there are people who have been perfecting this sport within, like, a tenth of a percent trying to make gains, doing it both legally and illegally, Hundreds of thousands of people, every country in the world does it. And once in, you know, our lifetime, you see somebody like a Kipchoge that nobody can touch. Yeah. So I'm just saying like those genetic outliers occur. And will we see one in golf? I don't know. It's just tough, man. It's tough to think that anybody could win that many. You know, you go back to as a reference, right? Like this day and age, Tiger Woods is the, he's the benchmark, Mm -hmm. right? So you look at the list of players that have the most wins in one season, Byron Nelson, 18, Crazy to think he did that in 1945. Yeah. They're using persimmon woods. They're using <laughs> whack-ass golf balls. Like yeah. The technology isn't there. It's un- unbelievable. But then you look at that list, and Tiger Woods is tied for fifth place on that list. And the most, the most wins that Tiger ever had in one season in his whole career was nine. Yeah. Arguably, like, not even arguably, the greatest golfer to ever play golf in the history of the game was only able to win half as many tournaments in one year as Byron Nelson. I There's yeah. no one on this planet here or in the future that's ever going to come close to that. I mean, I think it's highly unlikely. I would just never say never. You got a guy, Tiger Woods won 25% or 22% of every tour event he ever participated in in his entire career. Had a 97% win percentage when he was leading going into a Sunday. And that man still only could win nine in so, a So are you saying we never have like one dominant superstar in golf going forward? There's never going to be anyone who dominates the game? Because right now we don't have anyone that dominates the game. We have like... 10 people that dominate the game of golf right now. I think, I think that somebody eventually will come along that will be a dominant figure in golf like Mm -hmm. Tiger Woods was. I think it's going to take a series of a couple different things. I think not only is there just going to have to be this incredibly talented player that's been putting his entire life towards it since he was three Mm -hmm. years old, like Tiger did. But I think on top of that, there's going to have to be some changes in golf that don't exist as of right now. Because as it stands right now with the with the rules of the game and how things are happening, mm-hmm. um, I just think that it's 
it's too easy for anyone to win any week. Yeah, no, I agree with that. But if they did some crazy rules changes where, you know, like right now you got guys that can take two minutes before they freaking hit a putt, right? Right. If they put a shot clock in place Mm -hmm. and they said, dude, here's the deal, man. Like you got 30 seconds to take a shot as soon as you step up to your ball, like from Mm -hmm. now on. And you have to take that shot. If you don't take that shot, you lose a penalty. Like you lose a stroke. I think if you put some pressure on these guys, mm-hmm. that changes, right? And then you, you start getting into some – that's the thing. Like I think you're going to have to have a combination of somebody that's incredibly talented and then you're going to also have to have some rule changes in the in the PGA Tour before we see anybody that's going to be as dominant as Tiger ever was. Yeah. And what's the last one? Number six on the list. Uh, so Byron Nelson had 11 consecutive wins. And Tiger um, only had seven consecutive, so he's third all time. Yeah, I mean, I feel like that's <laughs> yeah, that's probably not going to be surpassed. But again, unless we get like that, you know, once in a three generation talent, which maybe we will. But um, yeah, it seems hard to believe that's going to be beat. Yeah, yeah, that's unreal to think of, man. And just even to think that Tiger Woods had seven wins in a row in his career, e- even that to yeah. me is just incredibly insane. And then to think that Byron Nelson was able to do it 11 times during his career is just mm-hmm. unreal. So that's uh, that's our take. Anybody that's listening to this, if you guys want, email us at tathighpodcast at gmail.com. Um, tell us what you think. If you got a record, you, you can think of a golf record out there that, that we didn't talk about because there's tons of them, right? We just wanted to pick like six of them. Um, but let us know what you think. You know, Do you agree with anything that we talked about today? Do you disagree with anything that we talked about? Or do you have your own uh, you have your own record that you think is never going to be broke. We want to hear from you guys. Next topic is the President's Cup early predictions. Um, I haven't put a ton of research into this yet, only because the the teams haven't really been established because they're mm-hmm. going through that process. But at the end of this year, we're going to have a President's Cup matchup. Um, I know that Trevor Immelman is going to be the European team captain. Um, and I'm not 100% sure who the captain is for the U.S. team. I can look it up real quick. I, I don't know why I haven't paid attention to that. I know recently Zach Johnson just got named to be the captain. Maybe Zach Johnson is the President's Cup team captain. Really? I thought he was I thought he was just named as the captain of the next Ryder Cup team. That also seems weird to me, though. Let's take a look. Yeah, so Zach Johnson just got named as the captain for the 2023 Ryder Cup next year, which, in my opinion, is incredibly awesome. That dude 100% deserves it. He's been a staple on the PGA Tour for decades. Um, He's been a vice captain on Ryder Cup team and President's Cup teams um, a bunch of different times, so I'm super excited for him that he gets to do that. Let's see who the U.S. President Cup captain is. Davis Love III. Mm-hmm. Davis Love is is going to be the captain of the of the President's Cup this year. President's Cup 2022 mm-hmm. early predictions. You think the U.S. team is going to win or the European team is going to win? I always think the U.S. team is going to win. I mean, it's a good bet. Um, although I don't know, there's some strong Europeans. But so where are they playing in the President's Cup? Um, again, good question. Feel like these are things that I probably should have researched before we started recording this, but you know, whatever. That's okay. We're drinking the wines. Yeah, talking cheers. the golf. Cheers. That's why it's the beauty of being able to uh, have your own show is you get to call the shots. Uh, it's going to be at Quail Hollow in North Carolina. Yeah, yeah, okay. Home um, field advantage, baby. It is. That's a tough course, though. 
Here's the tricky part about that. You yeah. got to imagine that McElroy is going to end up on the European team. Yeah. McElroy always plays well at Quail Hollow. He actually yeah. won uh, a couple different events there. Um, yeah. But I think, <clears throat> I think the U.S. team coming off of their Ryder Cup win. Oh my win, God. The way and, they dominated the Ryder Cup. Like. Yeah. I mean, you have to assume that the European team really like was embarrassed by that and wants to do better. But at the same time, like if you just can't. You just can't. Yeah, like, I think the U.S. team's going to be riding a pretty huge high off of that win. Yeah, again, like, DJ fan here, DJ's performance at the Ryder Cup. Yeah, that dude went undefeated. Oh, so solid. Yeah, I don't know. Um, yeah, I think probably the U.S. will win. That's not a bold prediction. It's just a prediction. Yeah, I agree. Um, I, I honestly kind of feel like if we can continue to have – the same caliber of players on the U.S. team for the Ryder Cup the next, yeah. like, eight, ten years. Yeah. Um, I think the U.S. team has got to be considered to be the favorite going into for sure all of the team matchups going forward. But wait, like, when they do um, Ryder Cup and President's Cup for the European players, what about the Asian players? Do they play with the European players, or are they not invited? Yeah, so... It's not just players from Europe. It's literally anybody except the U.S. So, like, Hideki could play. Yeah, and, you know, I think we're just so used to calling it the European team. You might Mm -hmm. as well just call it the international team. It's a better way of of saying it at this point. Okay. Um, But, yeah, it's... Well, because there are players like Hideki, you know, coming up that could really strengthen that team. Yeah, and you got guys like Louis Oosthuizen from South Africa. Um, you can't so, ever forget about Sergio. He's playing lights right. out right now at the players. Actually looks really good. Yeah, he does. John Rahm, number one player in the world yeah. right now. I mean, he's from Spain, which is in Europe, obviously, right? Lame. Like, you live in the U.S. You went to school here. Lame. <laughs> <laughs> I know. It's so funny. It's it's like uh, it's like every year when the Olympics happen and yeah. you have people that live in the United States and they're U.S. citizens. All of a sudden, this dude's from Boston. He's like, got a Boston accent yeah. and he's like playing for Czechoslovakia. You're like, come on, man. <laughs> You're not from Czechoslovakia. Yeah. Well, Tell me was, one Czech thing that you know how to make or talk. This Winter Olympics, uh, the number one person that comes to my mind is Louis Vito. He's mm-hmm. a young snowboarder yeah. that is an American. He was born yeah. here in the United States. He's always represented the U.S. in any event in his whole career. But this year when he went into the Olympics, mm-hmm. he actually represented Italy because mm-hmm. his I think his grandmother is like from Italy and she's yeah. Italian and he wanted to represent their home country. So it's kind of funny. to Well, see I mean, I'm throwing shade, but I'm not going to lie. Like if my stupid sport of ultra running was an Olympic sport and if I could get on there by being some, I don't know, like lesser known European country. Yeah. Like one a Lithuanian runner. Yeah. Oh yeah. I'd run for Lithuania for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I'd run so mediocrely well for Lithuania and the ultra Olympics. <laughs> That's awesome. I'd have the flag. I'd have the gear. I'd try to learn the language poorly. Yes, I get it. (laughs) That's fantastic. (laughs) All right. Take a break from golf. Okay. Um, March Madness is coming up soon. It is, yeah. Got to get your brackets in. Yeah. Uh, I think we're only a couple weeks away from March Madness. Um, You know, one of the best times to go to Las Vegas, for anybody that's listening to this, if you've never been to Las Vegas, during March Madness, in my opinion... Is one of the absolute craziest times yeah. to go to Las Vegas. It's insane how many people are out there because of March Madness. Mm-hmm. Um, but unless they've changed the dates, the AVN awards were always oh. at the same yeah. time as well. Mm-hmm. So you could go there and like be all about college basketball, During but then the you see a bunch of yeah. porn stars all throughout yeah. the place at night. 
Um, so that was always kind of a, a crazy time to go out there. But are you and I going to do a little husband wife versus oh, we could. bracket I matchup? Mean, see who has a better bracket? Yeah, we've done brackets. Like I feel like as a group in the past, and my work is doing one too. I always suck at brackets. And even like I pay almost zero attention to college basketball anymore. I used to like in the 90s. I was a big like Duke fan like everyone else. Go Coach K. Um, But I like almost never watch college basketball anymore ever at all. That doesn't stop me from like when March Madness is on to like throw it on the TV or get in a bracket. But man, I suck. Like I suck so bad at picking my brackets. And I'll admit too, the only time of year that I actually have any interest to watch college basketball is literally during March Madness. Um, I I just think it's, it's just kind of boring the whole rest of the year, but there's something about March Madness and that, that tournament setup and the Mm -hmm. way that they put it together that is just exciting. Well, it's like you want the Cinderella story. You want like, you know, a number 16 seed to come in and like beat the number one seed. And yeah, um, Yeah, no, I mean, it's an exciting time, probably the only exciting time in college basketball. (laughs) I just am not that into it anymore. It's like, on a scale of one to whatever, probably one of my least watched sports. And I watch almost all sports, as you know, but I will barely give it the time of day. But I will fill out a bracket bracket and donate to whoever is going to win the pool, which (laughs) won't be me. Yeah, I think um, the craziest thing about March Madness, in my opinion... And it's like a guarantee. You can you can 100% guarantee this is going to happen every single year. That first, the first round and the oh, second yeah. round brutal. of March Madness yeah. is absolutely brutal. brutal. That's like there are more upsets uh-huh. that happen in March Madness yeah, during like, how did the Villanova first round. Villanova used to lose to like Western right. West Virginia Tech University. Yeah. <laughs> how did that yeah. happen? Or you'll see like. Air, University of Arizona loses to like the Walmart third uh-huh. string stock boy. <laughs> yeah. Like it's crazy how these freaking yeah. things happen. And it really makes me wonder, is it a case of these college athletes getting super cocky oh, for sure. and rolling into a game? Like sure. we're going up against Louisiana tech junior varsity no, it is, for men's sure. basketball yeah. intramural program. Mm-hmm. And they're like, we're Kansas we're going to win, and then they walk in there, and they just get tromped. Oh, it's absolutely that. I mean, it goes back to coaching, right? Like, um, you know, you got to have your guys ready for an underdog to beat you. If you're an underdog, what do you have to lose? You're happy just to be there. So you're playing, like, lights out, like, taking all the chances. It doesn't matter. You don't even care. Um, teams like that are dangerous. People like that are dangerous in sports in general, and people at the top get a little too complacent. Yeah. Um, it's going to be interesting to see what happens this year. This is the first time in a while that U of A, University of Arizona, mm-hmm. has been ranked really high in the nation right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I just heard la- last night, actually, they're number two in the nation right now. Yeah. Which is impressive. Duke or Villanova? I'd have to look it up. One of the two of them just got beat by, like, uh, Virginia Tech or something like that. That's quite possible. Yeah. Yeah. Virginia Tech just beat Duke to take their whole conference championship going into March Madness. They which did, is like because people really upset. wanted them to win because it's Coach K's last year. And, yeah. Yeah. Which is crazy to me because I thought Coach K retired like two years he ago. He announced that he was going to retire, I think, like at the end of last season. Oh, okay. But. Okay. <clears throat> but yeah, so I feel like, you know, Gonzaga, yeah. Duke, U of A, Kansas. You can always put like a Florida up there too. Kansas is always in the running. Um, And then I think those are always like the four big ones that you you can pretty much count on. Yeah. Um, But yeah, so it'll be interesting to see what happens. I think we should do like a little husband versus wife bracket and see who does better. Let's do it.
I think regardless of who wins between you and I, mm-hmm. I think we can pretty much admit that it's just going to be sheer luck. Oh, for sure. Because neither one of us are paying attention to what's going on right <laughs> now. Neither one of us have any stats. Watch, like, like, I don't think we can actually talk intelligently about nah. college basketball. It'll, yeah, just be no. luck. I'm just excited that it's going to be happening and then we'll have something else to watch while yeah. football's not on. Yeah, it's a placeholder. We also have the Major League Baseball finally just ended their lockout and they agreed to a new CBA. Yeah, they're going to get a full season in. So what, like, I wasn't clear on what they were actually um, trying to bargain for. Like, what was the holdout? I don't know exactly what it is, but I'm looking it up right now and it says, here's some of the notable reported details from the accepted proposal on the new collective bargaining agreement. Mm -hmm. And um, the... It looks like the threshold of, I don't know what the CBT stands for. Maybe you could look that up real quick while I'm reading this. Okay. Um, oh, it's the competitive balance tax threshold is $230 million in 2023 and peaks at 244. I have absolutely no idea how any of that plays a factor in the, yeah. in the players, but whatever. Yeah. Um, I feel like that's maybe something that the owners of the teams are mm-hmm. trying to shoot for. I, I don't know. Um, then there's something else that has to do with the competitive, you know, balance tax, whatever. Uh, minimum salary though is a big one. Minimum salary is going to jump from seven hundred thousand dollars to seven hundred eighty thousand dollars in the final year of a CBA, and then um, pre-arb bonus pool. I don't even know what the hell that is. Fifty million dollars mm-hmm. postseason format, twelve teams. So I guess they were trying to change the way the postseason format is set up, and then players are trying to, you know, the players always just want to get paid yeah. more or appropriately, yeah. however you want to look at that. Um, I will say this, though. Out of all the different professional sports that are out there, I think it's actually mixed emotions. I think it's crazy that the Major League Baseball still plays 162 games games. in a season. 162 games, that's unreal. Yeah. To be fair... You know, it's it's justifiable that the NFL plays 17 games a year now. Oh, I those think guys would be like marshmallows if we yeah. played more games than that. With yeah, them. I mean, they went how long playing 16 yeah. games? It's understandable. Those dudes are literally yeah, they running into each other yeah. as hard, as fast as they can right. and like making these crazy collisions. Mm-hmm. Um, baseball, look, I, I grew up playing baseball. I have firsthand experience, firsthand knowledge playing mm-hmm. baseball. If you're playing like right field... Yeah. In baseball, you're twiddling your thumbs mm-hmm. for seven and a half out of nine innings. That's true. Because there's maybe a handful of balls that get hit to you in a game, and some of them it doesn't even matter what you do. Um, baseball is absolutely one of those sports that I grew up loving. I grew up watching mm-hmm. it on TV all the time. I grew up playing it. I loved baseball. I bled baseball. Mm-hmm. I ate, slept, drink baseball, everything. And I can tell you right now, out of all the professional sports that exist, baseball is the one sport that I am the absolute least interested yeah. in now. It is unreal how effing boring that is. And it's funny because I have a golf podcast, and everyone that you ask about golf... Says it's boring. Says that it's boring as hell and they don't want to watch it. I would for sure rather watch golf than baseball. I like going to baseball games in person. I like watching you know, the World Series and the League Championships and stuff, but... Other than that, I mean, I think it was different when I lived in Georgia and was a huge Braves fan, so I followed them a little more closely. But, like, living here in Nashville, we don't have a professional baseball team. We have the Sounds, which yeah. whatever. Um, I think if we had a, a local-to-us team where we could go to six, eight, ten games a year and be a little more vested in it and really know the players, then we'd probably feel differently about it. 
Maybe. But I think that's why, because it is so accessible, right? It's an accessible thing to go do with like your kids or a date night or it's same with basketball. Like you can go watch these events six, eight, 10, 12 times a season and really kind of get like sucked into the hype. Whereas like a football game, A, it's super expensive to go. B, yeah. there's what, eight home games yeah. or, yeah. So how often are you actually going to be able to go see that? So it better be exciting on TV because most people aren't getting excited about football because they're watching it in person. Yeah. But I think that's different with games like baseball, basketball, and hockey um, because you can get more people to go see it in person and really kind of buy into the whole experience. Yeah. I just, uh, I guess I don't understand why they have to play 160 (laughs) games throughout the year. What else are they going to do? They're not getting hurt. I mean, could you cut that? Maybe it's just because of how many teams they have. Um, I will forever believe that watching a baseball game in person mm-hmm. is hands down the best way to watch baseball. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I still remember when I was a kid and my dad would take me to baseball games and it was absolutely mandatory. You yeah. can ask my dad about this anytime you want. It was absolutely mandatory. You go to a baseball game, you have to get a hot dog, you have to get peanuts, and you got to get a, like a Coke. Yeah. Like, that's it. Like, hot dog, peanuts, now that I'm older, beer. <laughs> but my dad always said, no matter what, always got to have a hot dog, mm-hmm. always have to have peanuts when you're at a baseball game. And and don't get me wrong, man, like, Ryan Miller, he absolutely loves taking his son Well, that's what I was thinking. I see him go with games. his son all the time. And, like, yeah. that's going to be a great experience that his son is going to have that. You know, it's just a whole different, I don't know, gets in your blood sort of thing. But, like, think about it. When we went to Boston, what did we do? We went to a Red Sox game. <laughs> we made sure we went to a Red Sox yeah. game. You can't come. I mean, look, do I want to watch baseball on TV? Fuck no. Do I want to go to a baseball game in person? Absolutely. Do you want to go to Fenway Park? Do I want to go to Fenway Park? Yeah. One of the like gracelands of mm-hmm. baseball. Yeah. You bet your ass I want to go yeah, watch so a Red a Sox game. Yeah, it's a whole different even thing, though, right? Even though it was like, thir- what it was, was it, like 25 it was so degrees? It was, it was so snowing. Cold. Like yeah, we, we were, were buying as many sweatshirts and yeah. hoodies at the stadium as we could just to try to stay warm. Freezing our asses off in this it old was ass nuts. ballpark, yeah. But to be fair, like you're right. I mean, it, it we had to do it. Like there was no way that we were going to be in Boston. Well, that and that was an experience. Like we had that with my family and I will always remember that about our trip to Boston. Yeah, that's true. So it's just a different beast. It's like going to the movies, but on steroids, you know, it's like yeah. a different experience that you can create with your kids, your significant other, your family with yourself. You know, it brings you back It's summertime, except in Boston, it's yeah. warm. Like, like you said, you're eating all the good food, you're drinking all the good drinks, you're sitting there with someone probably you like hanging out with and just yeah. enjoying an afternoon. Yeah, and you know, it's also funny too because when you're at a football game, you always have the people at football games that are like walking around yeah. selling beers and like selling all the other stuff, right? But it's different when you're at a baseball game. It's not as loud, no, right? It's not. And one of the absolute coolest things about being at a baseball game in person is you get to hear those guys running mm-hmm. up and down the aisles. Peanuts, yeah. get your peanuts. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Hot yeah. dogs. Like, you hear all those different sounds. And it's uh, it's sad to say that I have lost so much interest in watching yeah, baseball well, on just, TV. Your interest of shift shifted. But I think you made a great point in the fact that now that I've lived in Tennessee for the last 12 years, we don't have access to professional have, baseball yeah. games. You know, we could drive four hours to Atlanta and go watch Braves game. Or, you know, we could go to... Chicago and watch a Cubs game, but it's just, it's a haul, right? Yeah. Like we got to make a trip. Um, so yeah, I, I remember going to Diamondbacks games in Arizona. Mm-hmm. It was absolutely super fun. Um, 
I think the, the, the last time anything exciting happened for me in baseball was when the Diamondbacks won the World Series back in 2001. Yeah. And they were, the uh, by the way, speaking of records, Arizona Diamondbacks, fastest expansion team to ever win a World Series. That's they did it in the first four years of becoming a franchise. It was yeah. pretty, pretty impressive. And who did they beat? The motherfucking Yankees. Take that with your dumbass little pinstripe uniforms, Yankees fans. Hey, whatever. <clears throat> I used to work for the Yankees organization loosely, so I'm like a closet kind of Yankees fan, but not really. Yeah, well, you couldn't beat the Arizona Diamondbacks or Luis Gonzalez that year. I wasn't trying to beat anybody. I was just <clears throat> trying to work on his racehorses. <clears throat> <laughs> That's all I was doing. Shout out Steinbrenner. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I just think that there are sports that are exciting to watch and are going to garner an audience because they're exciting to watch on TV. And then there are sports that are more of an experience. And if you have the opportunity to make that experience um, something that is, you know, in your family unit because they're local to you, then it's going to get in your blood and you're going to appreciate it on a different level. Yeah. Which is what I'm hoping will happen with Nashville Soccer Club, actually. I'm hoping that yeah. we can start going to some soccer games because they're building a sick stadium. It's open now. Yeah, I know. And I don't know anything about soccer. Not really. But I think that like I would like to become a fan and like yeah. to go see some games. And if we really like it, maybe get season tickets and like get all in. Like, I'm all I think, in. I think the best thing that you and I can do is um, Ivan Fernandez, I work with mm-hmm. him, lives out in Memphis. That dude would be the best person for us to go to an actual soccer match, football match yeah. with. So I will get in contact with him. Okay. We'll look at their schedule, and I'll see if he's willing to drive up here to go to any kind of like a, a soccer yeah, game. Yeah, I think, I think should. he would be the best person to go with us because that dude bleeds football. Well, and the stadium looks amazing, and they're not bad. So yeah. I would like to get into it. I'm down. I'm down. Moving right along, Mm -hmm. we talked about the fact that the Masters is coming up next, (laughs) but you know, one of the things that really drove me to start this podcast in the first place, and I haven't done a good enough job yet to this point, and this still isn't going to be a good enough job in my opinion, but one of the things that really made me want to do this podcast was there aren't enough people talking about women's professional golf. Yeah, agreed. And with the Masters coming up in just a few short weeks... Not very many people are going to be interested in this, which is sad, mm-hmm. and not very many people are going to talk about it, but the the second year now for the yeah. U.S. Women's Amateur Championship at Augusta yeah. National is going to happen. Which is a big deal. And I can't tell you like how exciting that is to know that like this is something that mm-hmm. is actually going to continue to be a thing. Yeah, agreed. Um, I remember the first year Jennifer Cupcho won. It was unbelievable. That girl is Absolutely phenomenal. Um, but she's also a pretty good example of the difference between being an elite golfer mm-hmm. in college yeah. versus an elite golfer on the LPGA. Yeah. Because she was fantastic in college and mm-hmm. she was absolutely dominant. She went to the same school mm-hmm. that Arnold Palmer went to. For mm-hmm. anybody that's listening, Wake Forest. Mm-hmm. Random. But now that she's been on the LPGA, yeah. if she has a win on tour, I think she only has one. Well, I'll look it up real quick. Well, it's the same with the LPGA. Like, the talent depth is there. You and I have talked about this a lot um, and why, you know, the LPGA doesn't have as big a following as the PGA and, and why it's not at the same level with regards to, like, viewership and things like that. And I think what we've both decided is it's just you don't know their stories, right? Like... 
you don't know their stories and you're not watching them and you don't grow up watching them. And so yeah. it's, it's what you see, it's what you know. And if you're not exposed to them, except for one random Saturday that they happen to show it on TV, then how are you ever going to get a fan base built um, outside of, you know, a very small amount of the population? Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh man. Uh, so that year though, with, with Jennifer Cub show winning, it was one of the more dramatic golf tournaments that you could watch. Mm-hmm. Uh, she went up against Maria Fossey. was like the, I think Cupcho was the number one ranked, I guess you'd call it amateur player at that point. Mm-hmm. And Maria Fossey was the number two ranked player. And those two ladies absolutely yeah, put on I a remember. show. It was, it was fireworks. It was great golf, yeah. Fireworks uh, during, during that golf tournament. I have admittedly absolutely no idea who to pay attention to this well, year going either. into. Yeah, I don't either. But I'm excited for it. I'm going to watch it. I'm going to pay attention. Yeah. And I think it is absolutely massive for the game of golf. Mm-hmm. And I think it's massive to try and draw more women into yeah. playing golf, which is for incredibly sure. important. Yeah. Well, so at Augusta National, can, women can still not be members, correct? Or women can, they? can be members now. As far as I know, there's only... Condoleezza Rice. I think there's only two female members there. Mm-hmm. I know Condoleezza Rice is one of them. I don't know who the other one is, um, but I, I believe that's about it. But to be, I mean, for the longest time, Augusta National was like super old school, and and yeah. you know, not to say that it's a, a good thing or a bad thing, but they were a men's only club mm-hmm. for the longest time. And, and Condoleezza Rice was the first one to to kind of break through and say, yeah. "Hey, look, like I want to be a member here." Um, but yeah, that's. I can't wait. I think it is not only an amazing thing for women's golf, but I think strategically mm-hmm. it was incredible when they put it on the calendar. To put it on the calendar, yeah. like yeah. I think it's a, I think it's a week, or I think it's two weeks ahead of the Masters. Mm-hmm. Um, incredibly brilliant. I mean, you have so much hype rolling into the Masters. Yeah, everybody loves looking at Augusta on TV, yeah, and now you it. get to look at it twice. In the same well, month. I just keep going back to the stories just need to be told. And, you know, people can say what they want. And I know that people say women's sports aren't as exciting to watch as men's, right? Let's just get that on the table. That's what people say. Yeah. That's not true. Like, women are playing other women. And the level of play is amazing across all sports. So you look at, like, what U.S. women's soccer has done, what U.S. women's yeah. hockey has done. You can't tell me those women aren't exciting to watch. Like... They're dominating on an international level, and so you just need to know their stories, and you need to watch them. If you've never seen them, then tuning in one day, like, yeah, who's going to be excited about that versus, like, these guys that you're seeing get coverage seven days a week on the golf channel and, you know, two days a week on the weekends, prime time, like... We know them. They're in our living rooms. Like, we see them on social media. We're following their stories, real or made up. You know, we're seeing these stories, and... Women just don't get the same coverage, but they're absolutely just as exciting. So I think we just need their stories to be told more. Well, so let me ask you this, though. Do you think that there's less coverage on women's golf because, generally speaking, golf is more of like a man's sport? And with that being said, do you Mm -hmm. think that the level of attention on women's golf will increase as we increase the amount of women that are interested in golf. Yeah, for sure. I mean, like, um, you know, there's a saying, if you can see it, you can be it, right? And that's across all sports and for all things women. And so, you know, if you're a little girl growing up and you don't ever see 
another little girl or a woman playing golf on TV, then why would you ever be interested in that? Why would you think that was something you could do? Um, the more it's visible, the more women will get into it. So yeah, I think like it kind of grows itself. Um, I just follow other sports, you know, again, like running because I'm biased and you know this, like I tell you all the time, some of the most exciting ultra runners in the world are female ultra runners. Yeah. They're doing some of the coolest things in the world and they've got the entire sport of ultra running behind them because they're so damn impressive. Like the shit they're doing is so awesome and so fun to watch, but we know their stories because they're covered pretty much to the same extent that the men are in ultra running. And so it kind of removes that gender barrier as being a thing, even though for the most part, they're not beating the men outright, but they're doing some really incredible things. And so you get to know them, you get to know their stories, you get to see what they're doing. And um, yeah, I just think it will build on itself the more and more it's like shown. Yeah. And I think what's really cool about having this conversation with you in particular is Mm -hmm. that your profession is an equine surgeon. Like you're in a male dominated industry Mm You had to fight your way to be in a position that you're in right now. And I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but like, I feel like the level that you've achieved in your career Mm -hmm. is an inspiration to other females that are coming into the, you know, to the veterinary practice, other women that are coming into like wanting to do surgery in in veterinary medicine. Yeah, I mean, I was lucky. Um, Coming up, pretty much all of my mentors that I knew of were male because that's what existed. Um, And then when I got into my residency, there were a few very strong females doing the job. And that was like, aha, like I can do this, you know. And so, um, yeah, it's interesting being in whether it's a career or a sport or or whatever your passion is and not looking like or being like the other people who are the leaders in that field. It's an interesting place to be. But I think the more that you see some others break through, then the people coming up behind you see that it's a real path and that they can do it. And so hopefully it just becomes um, more accepted for everyone at all levels to like, it doesn't matter like your um, race, color, sexual preference, whatever. If you have a thing that you want to do, then you can do it because you see other people doing it. I agree. Um, I think... I think you have a huge point when you talk about like telling the stories, right? You know, you're an ultra runner also. Mm -hmm. And as little as I pay attention to the ultra running world. Although I make you try to pay attention to. (laughs) I can tell you like, I know that Courtney DeWalter, one of your favorite runners of all time, absolutely hands down one of the greatest ultra runners, period. In the world. In the world. Not just female ultra runners. Like this woman constantly Mm -hmm. destroys men in this sport. She's a beast. But I can tell you that I know that she used to be a teacher and then quit that to get into running. I can tell you that I know she used to be um, a cross-country skier before Mm -hmm. she even got into ultra running. And she was like a high-level competitive cross-country skier. But the only reason that I know those things is because people are out there telling her story. And making documentaries and posting on Instagram. So she becomes a real person. And for someone like me, who has, like, got one one-hundredth of her talent, she holds up this ideal that, like, hey, I'm out there competing with men. And I'm out there running for 200 miles. And I'm out here doing all these things. And I'm just a woman. Like, so why couldn't I do that stuff, too? You know? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I feel like if there was one more coverage mm-hmm. of yeah. on women's golf in general, 
And then two, if they did a better job of telling the stories mm-hmm. of, of women golfers, it would draw a whole other audience. Yeah, you got to tell the stories where people don't care. Like, it's not interesting to watch. But I think it also kind of ties back to what Zach and I were talking about in our last episode, which is you, somehow they're going to have to find a way to make golf more exciting yeah. to watch on TV if they really want to yeah. bring more viewers Well, in. I mean, this week is a good example. <laughs> they're changing yeah. up the schedule to let the weather come and play, and that definitely makes it more interesting. Yeah, I, yeah. so, like, it's funny. That it's good that you bring that up because, you know, we have one in the background right now. Uh, we're recording this. For anybody that's listening, we're actually watching the third-round coverage of the players' tournament that's happening at TPC Sawgrass right now. And What is Cameron Smith doing with that molestache? Uh, man, I don't good. know. Cam Smith, you got to get rid of that mustache, Oof, dude. For, for the longest time, it was just the hair, and now I'm like, keep the hair, but please get rid of the mustache. Yeah. It's not good. It's not good. But you know who has a sick mustache? Oh, Wolf Dude. Yeah. It's so good. It's like Eric handlebar. Van <laughs> oh, my so gosh. Good. This dude from South Africa has the most luscious, thick, Well, you know I've been like old on him ever since he started now. wearing the Wolf brand. Which yeah. one is that brand? Grayson. Ah, oh, I'm about it. I like the Grayson Who brand. Who Justin Thomas just recently signed a contract yeah, with. Yeah, But that brand, like, yeah. I was all about the brand because yeah. I dig a wolf. And so I've been watching him. And I saw him interviewed yesterday or today. I was like, what is happening yeah. with that mustache? That mustache is legit. It is so good. So good. Cameron Smith, if you can't grow a mustache like that, then just give it up. Yeah. I can't grow a mustache. I can't grow a beard. I don't try. If you can't do the handlebars, if you don't look like you're about to get thrown through a saloon in yeah. 1890-something yeah. out west, then just don't do not yeah. do it. It's not good. Yeah, I agree. Um Anyway, I digress. Yeah. The weather has made this tournament more interesting, for sure. This, yeah, and I this totally dig it. As a person who runs outdoors in all types of weather, I'm like, ha ha, yeah. <laughs> suck it up and play. Yeah, and it's so funny, too, because there's already been a couple players that have kind of out been outspoken. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's Gary Woodland. Who would know? You can only see his eyes. I know. Um, I think there's been a, one or two players in particular that have been outspoken and they weren't a fan of how mm-hmm. the PGA Tour decided to handle this whole weather and yeah. like scheduling and all that stuff. But here's the deal, man. Like, you're professional golfers. Uh-huh. You got to learn how to fucking roll with the punches. You got Everybody has to play in the same conditions, yeah. right? Like, stop whining about it. Mm-hmm. Stop bitching about it and just suck it up and play. And honestly, I've gone back and forth on Brooks Kepka on whether I like him or I don't like him. Same. But this week I'll tell I like you him. right now, yeah. this week, I absolutely love Brooks Kepka. Next week, I will not like him. Yeah. Also, his hair is horrible. Like, stop that. What are you doing? Yeah, but you know what? Like, that's part of what I like about him because he's like, fuck it. Like, I'm going to dye my hair platinum blonde, whatever. I mean, like, I who get cares? it. I had pink hair for a while. So <clears> who am I to judge? I guess. But it doesn't look good on him. But the thing that I love about him is he gets a. Uh, yesterday, he's trying to finish his first round and play a second round because the schedule's all jacked up. He gets up to the 17th hole. There's like 25 mile an hour winds, 25 mile an hour headwind that yeah. these guys are hitting into. I mean, there's some guys that are hitting six irons into a 134 yard par three, but Kepka gets up there and he just plunks a ball in the water and. <laughs> Can't do anything about it but laugh. Yeah. and Which is a good attitude to have because you really can't at yeah. that point. Like, it's out of your control. I, um, You and I also talk about this all the time, but, like, I enjoy a sport where everyone has to play against the elements. Now, you can argue that in this tournament it's, it's more of a luck of the draw, right? Because not everyone had to play in those elements. So, for that... That part's kind of sucky because for me, like as an ultra runner, again, if it's like 
negative whatever in a blizzard, we're all running in the same shit. Yeah. Or if everyone is starting around a golf at the same time, or if you're in the NFL and you're playing in Green Bay in January yeah. and a blizzard decides to roll in, you're all playing in the same shit. So I like a level playing field as long as those situations apply to everyone. It kind of sucks that, like, again, for the luck of the draw, it didn't to everyone at this tournament, but it is what it is, right? Like, it's going to be this way next week and a different way the next week, so. Yeah, yeah, but that leads us into our next topic, though, which is the difference between a tour setup on a golf course Mm -hmm. versus what me and you and every other average Joe out there has to play. Yeah. And this, this week is my opinion the best example of how fucking pampered these pretentious ass PGA Tour players are. I mean it's it's not hurting my feelings to see them suffer a little bit, I'm right? not gonna lie. Every yeah. other week on tour, these guys have perfectly manicured greens. They're like, where's the leaf? Perfectly blower? manicured yeah. fairways, perfectly cut rough. Perfectly raked sand traps. They have the right, right amount of sand. It's perfectly raked. Well, all that shit. Well, there's two arguments to that, though, right? Everybody plays in pristine conditions, so the talent should rise to the top. Meaning you're taking the conditions and the course out of it. To some degree, every course is different, and it's going to yeah. suit different players' strengths and weaknesses. But for the most part, the best player, in theory, should win every week if that's the case. Yeah. Whereas if you have a day like they had yesterday at TPC, like... It may not be the best player. It's going to be the person who can think on their feet, who doesn't get flustered, and who can adjust and pivot very quickly. And so, again, like for the sport that I'm in, I dig that. Like, that's why I'm an ultra runner. I like a challenge. Like, throw some shit at me. Like, the worse, the better, because I'm not that great of an athlete. But I'm a good problem solver, and I'm tough, and I can go out there in shitty conditions and make something happen. And so I'd have to imagine that some of the golfers on the PGA probably felt the same way. You know what I mean? Like, hey, I know I'm not the best guy out here, but I'm tough. Yeah. And I've practiced in these conditions, and I'm going to give it a go and shoot my shot, you know? Yeah, and I think that's what we're seeing right now in this tournament in particular is that the guys that are able to go at this golf course right now and just accept the fact that they're dealing with what they're dealing with and that the tee times got completely arranged and it's Sunday and we're playing the second round on the Sunday. Hang on. Hot take. Tom Brady just said he's coming back. Uh-oh. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. But no, I literally just perfect. saw yeah. that. <laughs> no, this was absolutely not planned for the podcast right now, but we're watching the, the live coverage of the golf tournament, and Tom Brady just tweeted a post that said, the past two months I've realized my play is still on the field and not in the stands. The time will come. But basically, he's coming back for his 23rd season in the NFL. He he he's got like unfinished business. He'd like it to be with Tampa Bay. And then he said, LFG, let's fucking go. Tom Brady is not done playing football, folks. Tom Brady was watching the players. He was getting fired up with the wind. Oh, he's like, I got shit. this. Let's go. Dang. The GOAT. The GOAT is not done. I didn't think he was going to retire. I honestly feel like Tom Brady could play until he's 50. Oh, I do too. I think he just didn't want to leave it like that. Like, it was, he was too close. Yeah, know? but here's the thing, though, right? Like, you don't retire now, and then what? Like, yeah, your career goes downhill because who knows what team you're going to end may. up on? I it don't may. know. But, but I mean, the big news, breaking news, you're hearing yeah. it on the podcast right now. Anyway, we need sorry. To get this, we need to get this out quick. I did not mean to interrupt you. <coughs> I just saw that and got, like, really excited. No, that's perfect, though. But 
But going back to what we were talking about with like these PGA Tour players, they every every week, yeah. every week of their season, they get to play in the most immaculate conditions imaginable. And I've been fortunate enough to play at some pretty awesome mm-hmm. golf courses. You've been with me a few yeah. different times. I mean, I remember when we were in the Dominican Republic, we're playing Jack Nicholas's course. When I crapped in tra- Punta Cana, tra- trapped a crab in the bathroom. Yes, you trapped a crab in the bathroom. <laughs> Don't say that three times fast. And Jack Nicholas's course in Punta Cana, it's called. Um, Punta Espada Golf Course or Golf Club in the Dominican Republic. Anybody that's listening to this, you have to go there at some point in your life and play that golf course. Eight out of the 18 holes play along the Caribbean Mm -hmm. Ocean. Absolutely amazing golf course. Uh, they only do one tee time per hour. You get a, you caddy. Get a caddy while you play. Some you very never... nice workers on the course will chop down fresh pineapples. Uh, no, it coconuts. was coconuts. Yeah, yeah and like coconuts. chop off the top and let you like drink coconut water. Yeah. Yeah, um, but I remember like you came with me that first round that mm-hmm. I played that golf course, and I remember distinctly to this day the like one of the first things that you said when we got out on the golf course was, "Holy shit, do they vacuum the fairways?" Because Seriously. there was not a blade of grass no. out of place. There's not a blown leaf from a palm tree anywhere. No, There's like not a piece of trash anywhere. Like yeah. it was unreal. And and. I can't even do it justice describing it from words. Google Images doesn't do yeah, it justice, it's but like beautiful. You have to go and yeah. check this place out. But so like it's amazing to play on a golf course like that. And it's so much easier to play on a golf course mm-hmm. when it has the best conditions possible. What I would love to see is for them to throw a couple tournament event, like tour events mm-hmm. in every single year where they go to some podunk ass golf course in the <laughs> middle of nowhere that just punch their greens to aerate them going yeah, into fall that would be and fun. their golf ball while they're putting bounces six different directions yeah, before it gets right. to the fucking hole. And then let's really see how good these guys well, are. Well, obviously they're not going to do that, but what they've done with like changing the floor to swing and, and things like that will maybe give us some more exciting golf. You know, you think about it when you go and play the Lynx course, um, or links courses over in Europe, like you get a little bit of that, right? Because it's different yeah. and the weather is always unpredictable. And so that tends to favor a different type of player. But, um, and we're on Sunday evening now. So the TPC is not even remotely like what, almost halfway done, kind of halfway done. Yeah. They're like halfway through their third round right but now. But the way JT played yesterday was like exemplary of someone who He's obviously one of the top golfers in the world, right? On a and good Bubba day. Watson, JT and yeah. Bubba Watson, and Paul Casey. But on a bad day, what do you do with that? Yeah, exactly. Like, what do you do with that? Do you let it get in your head? Are you pissed because, you know, you, you've never played in these situations? These are things out of your control? Or do you just think outside the box and shoot your shot and have a good attitude about yeah. it? Yeah, but, man, I, I would love to see these PGA guys, I would love to see these tour players play on some shitty-ass golf courses with – Terrible fairways, horrible bunkers. That would be fun. Shitty ass that would greens, actually be fun. and really see like how yeah. good they are because, like, you could be a great golfer, but I want to see you. I want to see you play on some terrible conditions. Well, that's true, but again, the setup, and I didn't ever realize this until we went to the U.S. Open in 2019. Yeah. yeah, the at, one at Pebble Beach. At Pebble Beach, how like tight they make like the fairways and the greens. Yeah, like, yeah. I never realized that. So like you, the average golfer, are not playing on fairways and greens that are that tight and that difficult. Okay, yes, but to be fair, it was the U.S. Open. Yeah, it seemed hard. They always set up the U.S. Open mm-hmm. with narrower fairways, smaller greens, mm-hmm. longer rough. Like that's how they set that up, yeah. right? But. 
And so, yeah, like there are weeks like that where their, their talent shines compared mm-hmm. to like your average player. Yeah. But again, even though they're playing on all those conditions, narrower mm-hmm. fairways, all that stuff, it's still the best possible shape that golf course could ever be in. Yeah. Compared to sand all over the greens because yeah. they're trying to grow out the grass better. And that's another thing too, like, you know, going back to, I'd love to get your opinion on this too. Last, last episode, Zach and I talked about ways that we can make golf mm-hmm. more exciting or the yeah. PGA Tour can make golf more exciting. One of the things I would love to see is variety in their schedule. They're constantly like every fucking year starts out. They play in Hawaii. Mm -hmm. Then they come to California. Then they go to Florida Mm -hmm. and then they play in like the mid, like they always do the exact same events every freaking year in the same order. The money, right? Well, I think it's more weather related, right? Yeah, Weather and money, depending on the time of year. Like that's where you can get this up. But look, the the weather's nice in South Alabama. You see anybody playing golf there? That's the, that's what I'm trying to say though, is that like, why can't the PGA Tour extend? Mm-hmm. Why can't they just pick different locations to do these things? Now, yeah. I know part of the answer to that is that some of these golf tournaments they sign contracts yeah. with the PGA Tour. Hey, for the next five years, right. we'll host your con- we'll host this event at this venue. But but why couldn't they do like in the middle of August? Why mm-hmm. can't we do a tour event in like Minnesota? Why can't we do no, a tour I don't even event? I want to see that. I want to see in the middle of August down in the fucking like swamp ass Florida, like Delta, Louisiana. <laughs> <laughs> I want to see these guys like sweating through their sweating shirts. Sweating through their gloves. Eating like, like ice towels. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you asked me how to make it more interesting. Like, yeah. let's see somebody pass out. Like, yeah. I don't know. Like, maybe you actually need a medic there because heat stroke is a real thing. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I just feel like. I just feel like it's it's about time that the PGA Tour can start highlighting newer, yeah. like different yeah, golf yeah. courses around the country because it doesn't matter what state you live in. There's a handful of golf courses that are fantastic. Well, and maybe you do like a 50 states thing. Like maybe you do a tour of America. You know, maybe. like thinking like way outside the box, right? This is never going to happen again because like I said, you're following the money and the old school money and the charities and the things that have been set up and the wheels that are in motion. Um the thing, like, I like the stuff you and Zach talked about. I agree with the drone. I think a drone footage is cool, but again, would it be too distracting for them? I mean, I don't Suck care. it up, buttercup. Yeah, like. The thing that I mentioned to you after that episode, though, is I want to see the players mic'd up. Like, to me, it's yeah. interesting to hear them interact with their caddies and interact with each other and just make it, again, a more, like, accessible, real-world thing yeah. and not some stuffy country club sport. Dude, how about a, a night round of golf? What if yeah, we did a tournament, like one tournament a year, mm-hmm. these guys had to play at night under lights? You yeah, know what I mean? Like how cool would that be? Or I think that um, adding more match play events yeah, would be more entertaining. Yeah. Because that's like that's more of like mm-hmm. a NCAA tournament style, right? Like yeah. you either win today or you go home and you're out of the yeah, tournament. Yeah, but if you think about it like, okay, how do we make golf more exciting? Well, why do they care? Do I mean? Do they care? Like, they're the only show in town. <coughs> they're the only show in I think town. They do. and They're doing well for themselves. I think and- they do because the PGA Tour, in specific, is a nonprofit organization. Mm-hmm. All the money that's raised for the PGA Tour either goes towards the prize purses for the players or it gets donated towards charities. Mm-hmm. So, if you're an organization that prides itself on the amount of money that you can distribute yeah. to charities throughout the year. In that local market. So, like, that's what a lot of people don't understand. They're playing at TPC Sawgrass 
outside Jacksonville, Florida mm-hmm. right now, all the charity money that they go to, that they're distributing out to organizations right now are primarily focused on organizations that are right there in Jacksonville. Yeah. So every time that they go around the country and they play these events, they're helping organizations in those states. Another reason why I feel like it would be beneficial to go to other <coughs> states. <coughs> yeah. To spread these events around to other states around the country yeah. because then you can impact other people and other organizations. Yeah. But they also like, they're constantly talking about growing the game and they're constantly talking mm-hmm. about bringing more viewership. The only reason that you're trying to do that, the more you grow a game, the more money gets brought into it. Right. So why wouldn't you want to do all these yeah. different things that could like yeah. make more people watch it? Think about it. If the PGA Tour on a Sunday at the Masters only has, and I don't know that this is accurate, I'm just using a number as an example, but let's say they only had 2 million people watching their broadcast mm-hmm. on a Sunday at the Masters, arguably the most interesting major golf tournament of the year mm-hmm. every single year, and they have 2 million viewers. Okay, well, let's say they change some shit up throughout the year, and now they have 5 million viewers watching on a Sunday at the Masters. How many more sponsor dollars is that bringing in? How many more advertising dollars is that bringing in? How does that impact these charities that the PGA Tour can affect? Yes, I'm sure they're always trying to grow the brand. I just think it it like is, and I said this the other night, it's a country club sport, which means it's old and stuffy. And it is changing. It is changing. For sure. I mean, hands down, Tiger Woods is responsible for that. Like everything that we see now is a direct like response to the excitement he brought to the sport. And it will continue to grow and change, but at the end of the day, that's its origin story. And so it's a little hard to overcome that. Yeah. All right. Well, so here's the deal. I appreciate you joining me today. Yeah, happy to. Fantastic job being a co-host. I mean... Zach, you better watch your back. Yeah. I have... I just live here, What is your pre- oh holy crap Harold Varner? So uh, he was going to be my prediction, and before he was even up as high as he was, really, yeah, really, because he's playing pretty lights out and he's got a good attitude about it. Um, Harold Varner's tied for the lead right now at the players at eight under. Um, he had his first professional win in like five or six years earlier this season. He won out in Saudi Arabia. At the Saudi International in dramatic fashion. This dude drained like a 90-something foot putt on the final day to like win this tournament. It was pretty crazy. It was pretty crazy. Um, but yeah, so like we're they're they're kind of halfway through their third round. I don't think they're gonna finish the third round today. I think tomorrow is yeah. Monday. They're gonna have to do finish round the third and round and then they're gonna have to do the whole fourth round. But uh, right now, Harold Varner yesterday <clears throat> during his second round or yeah, during his second round, he was at seven under par at one point. He was in the lead by himself, and then he got to 17 and 18 with all the crazy-ass wind, and he shoots a triple bogey on 17, and then he shoots a bogey on on 18, loses four strokes, and drops a three under. And now in his third round, he's gone from three under at the start to eight under and tied for the lead, so he's five under today alone, which is fucking amazing. Yeah, and I wish we'd have like started this prediction thing before then because when we sat down I was going to say I think it was going to be between him and JT. I don't know what the fuck's happened to JT because I don't even see him on the leaderboard. Yeah, JT he was at four started under today. when I stopped watching. He started today at three under par. Yeah. Uh, let's see where he's at right now. But I think Harold Varner's a good pick. Harold Varner's just one of those players that like he's so cool man. Like when he's on the golf course I love his style. Yeah. Um, I love the the clothes he wears, the color of clothing that mm-hmm. he chooses, his shoes. I mean, he's almost always wearing some sick-ass Jordans. Um, 
he's just a super nice guy, and he's been around forever too. Um, I, I would love to see him win. Uh, Sergio Garcia. Oh, Sergio is my third. He's a he, sleeper. He had he won in two thousand eight at the Players. Um, has a pretty long history of choking on seventeen at this golf tournament, especially on the last day. Yeah. Um. So be interesting to see what happens to him. Justin Thomas is one under on his third round through 11 holes. So he's a four under for the tournament. He's four back off the lead. Okay, so I'm still going to go like Varner, JT, Sergio if we need to pick three. Okay. And to be fair, JT won last year, and he was down like seven strokes going into like the last day, I think. Yeah, apparently like it is extremely rare, obviously, but like for this tournament specifically to be that far down and come back. Yeah. And and he still is. So he's still outside of what would be like average for this tournament. Um, but I think, yeah, Varner, JT, and Sergio are going to be my top three. Okay, okay. What you call I got them? my eyes on Sam Burns. Uh, Sam Burns has been streaky. Mm-hmm. He's played really well. He's won one or two tournaments in the last 12 months. Um, he has the, uh, he's got the ball striking, and when his, putter's on, when his putter is on, he's lights mm-hmm. out. Um, I'm a little disappointed in Fleetwood. I was really yeah. excited for Fleetwood after the first round. I mean, he got a lucky, like, draw. Yeah, um, but... But Tommy's one of those guys where if his putter's on, like, you can't beat that guy I mean, guy he's a great either. player. I'm not saying that, like, he was only up there because of the draw, but he definitely benefited from it. So I'm going to say – I'm going to put my money on Sam Burns. Okay. Um, I think my backup pick is is uh, is going to be maybe Varner. Yeah. And then um, if I had to pick a third pick, I would say it's between Fleetwood and Justin Thomas. Okay. I like yeah. it. Yeah. So we'll gonna, see what happens. What are we going to lay down on this? Like closest to picking winner gets something good. Nah, I mean, I feel like it's got to be outright winner or nothing. Okay, then. But we pick some of the same players, and it's just a draw. Well, we. So who's your outright winner? Uh, Varner. Okay, you're picking Varner as your outright winner. JT second, Sergio third. It doesn't. None of the second third doesn't matter. It matters. We're to me. just picking outright winner. Okay. And I'm picking Sam Burns. I. So if Varner wins, what do I owe you? Um, I don't know. You make dinner one night. Okay. If Sam Burns wins, what do I owe you? You got to give me like a ten minute foot massage. Oh Lord. Okay. Boom! You got to rub my feet for ten minutes. A long time. It is. So you better hope Sam Burns doesn't win. I am hoping that right now. But if need, oh, what a shock to the system! Is that Sepp Straka? I said it was Henley. I can't tell. Oh, Russell Henley? Yeah. yeah, poor guy. Had a super short putt and it did like a 360 around the hole and oh, came out. Oh, it's getting dark there. They're going to stop playing. Yeah, play suspended already now because yeah. it's too dark. Um, but yeah, so thank you again for everybody that's listening. Um, please give us a like, give us a follow, uh, hit the little five star rating if you can. Again, our email address is T at high podcast at gmail.com feel free to send us an email if you want to check us out on instagram at t at high podcast um actually i think it's like t underscore it underscore high underscore podcast um on instagram and uh you know give us some information give us some feedback tell us what what you like what you don't like uh if you have any thoughts on records that'll never be broken hit us up if you guys have any ideas of content that you want to listen to in the future let us know um, I'm, I'm hopeful that this week in Tennessee was the last week that it was going to be in the 20 degree temperatures and that going forward, I can actually get out on the golf course and start putting some content together for you guys from the course, uh, which I think will be super fun. Um, 
But yeah, I appreciate you guys listening. Share this with your friends. Subscribe on whatever platform you're listening to so you can catch every episode as it comes out. And uh, I hope you guys have a good rest of your weekend. Thank you.